0: Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, October 11th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, gold has spent most of the week hovering around the $1,500 an ounce mark, but it dipped below that key level on Thursday, basically because U.S. and Chinese officials are talking. Woohoo! Today, President Trump is supposed to meet with Chinese Vice Premier Liu He as the two countries kick off said talks. Trump tweeted, quote, big day of negotiations with China. They want to make a deal. But do I? I will meet with Vice Premier tomorrow at the White House. One analyst wrote, basically, this has increased the odds of a better deal taking place. And this is exactly what investors have hoped. Woohoo. Theme of the day. Woohoo. Okay, whatevs. You all know where I am with this trade deal business. I'll believe there's a deal when I see a deal. And when there is a deal, I don't think it's going to fix the economy. In fact, like Peter Schiff has said more than once, it may well be a buy the rumor, sell the fact kind of thing. It wouldn't shock me at all if a trade deal was the beginning of the big crash. You know, when people quit obsessing over these negotiations, realize nothing substantively is changing, and that there are bigger fundamental economic problems. Now, you know what the trade deal isn't going to change? What the Fed has done to the economy with decades of monetary policy. There are growing expectations that the Fed will cut rates again during the October meeting. On Thursday, we got softer than expected CPI number. It came in unchanged for September. It was the smallest move since January. Analysts were expecting a 0.1% increase. Quote, unquote, low inflation would tend to encourage the Fed to cut rates again, especially given the gloomy economic data that I talked about last week. As you will recall, the manufacturing sector is in a recession based on the ISM Index of National Factory Activity, which is at a 10-year low. Well, the service sector isn't exactly gangbusters either. The ISM non-manufacturing index came in at 52.6% for September, down from an August reading of 56.4%. The data was much weaker than expected. The consensus forecast projected a reading of 55.5%. It was the lowest reading in three years. The mainstream pundits warned that the disappointing service sector data could boost recession fears as this is the largest component of the U.S. economy. And then there's the retail sector. U.S. shopping mall vacancies have hit an eight-year high, according to data from Moody's Analytics. 9.4% of units were unoccupied in Q3. That equals a post-financial crisis high that was reached in 2011. But hey, there might be a trade deal. Maybe. Possibly. So the big news this week was Jerome Powell announcing that the Fed is about to resume quantitative easing, even as he swore the Fed is not restarting quantitative easing no 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 this is not qe in no sense is this qe the fed chair insisted what the fed will actually be doing according to powell is expanding its balance sheet powell said details of the process will be explained in the following days but it will involve the purchase of treasuries uh this sounds an awful lot like qe As Peter said in his podcast, if it walks like a duck, looks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Well, this looks like QE, it smells like QE, it quacks like QE, it walks like QE, it's QE! The Fed's move is in response to the recent meltdown in the overnight repurchase markets. The Fed began repo operations a couple of weeks ago and then upped the ante last week in an attempt to inject cash into the banking system. During his press conference, Powell said, As we indicated in our March statement on balance sheet normalization, at some point, we will begin increasing our securities holdings to maintain an appropriate level of reserves. That time is now upon us. Now. Now upon us, stop and think for just a moment how much things have changed in less than a year. Back in March, the Fed had barely wound down quantitative tightening. We only have to go back a few more months and balance sheet reduction was on autopilot. Powell said the upcoming balance sheet expansion won't be the same as the aggressive balance sheet expansion we saw during three rounds of QE. This will be a more organic procedure, similar to Federal Reserve operations before the financial crisis. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Organic? You mean like the bananas my wife likes? This is all word salad. It's designed to be opaque. It's smoke. Peter was less generous. He said Powell is lying. Here's the truth. In the last three weeks, the balance sheet has grown by $176 billion. Now, I get it. A lot of these bonds the Fed has added are part of the short-term repo operations. Theoretically, some of this should fall off the books. Still, $176 billion. How is that not aggressive? Here's some perspective for you. Before the 2008 crash, the Fed balance sheet was around $800 billion. It took the central bank nearly 100 years to get its balance sheet to $800 billion. It just added $176 billion in just three weeks. Now, if you go back to QE3, the Fed was buying $85 billion worth of debt instruments every month. Last week, it added $88.1 billion to its balance sheet in one week. So, this non-aggressive, organic, non-QE thing that the Fed is doing right now is injecting cash into the economy faster than when the Fed was running a specific QE program. Here's the bottom line as Peter Schiff summed it up. The Federal Reserve is creating money out of thin air and then using that money that it creates out of thin air to buy up debt instruments for the sole purpose of preventing interest rates from rising. In a nutshell, the Fed is trying to manipulate the interest rate. The bureaucrats at the central bank are substituting their judgments for the markets. But hey, there might be a trade deal. Look, the Fed has to keep interest rates low. And what we've seen in the repo markets over the last several weeks tells us that the market is trying to push rates up. I think Powell and company are a lot more desperate than anybody lets on. We cannot have high interest rates in this debt riddled economy. Speaking of debt, the CBO estimate for the fiscal 2019 federal deficit came out. It nosed in just a hair under $1 trillion. Now that might sound like good news, but it was still the biggest deficit since 2012. And keep in mind, the budget shortfall has only eclipsed $1 trillion four times, all during the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. According to CBO estimates, the deficit came in at $984 billion. That amounts to 4.7% of GDP. That's the highest percentage since 2012. It was the fourth consecutive year in which the deficit increased as a percentage of GDP. The debt-to-GDP ratio increased a hefty 26% over last year now the treasury department's going to release its officials numbers its official numbers later this month and i have a feeling they may be a little bit worse than the cbo estimates the pundits in the mainstream media tend to focus on the trump tax cuts as the cause for surging deficits but revenues are actually up Spending is the real culprit. Revenue was up 4% over fiscal 2018, according to the CBO. Individual and payroll tax receipts increased by $107 billion. Corporate taxes were up $25 billion. That's a 12% increase over last year. Increases in tariff revenue also boosted total government receipts. Meanwhile, spending was up 8% over last year, coming in at $4.45 trillion. There were significant increases in outlays for both domestic and military spending. So we have fiscal stimulus, the likes of which we've only ever seen during the Great Recession. Couple that with monetary stimulus that looks an awful like we're in the middle of a Great Recession. And yet this is the greatest economy in the history of America. Look, I'm a journalist. Math isn't my strong suit. But something here doesn't quite add up. But hey, there might be a trade deal. Okay, there are a couple news items related to gold I want to cover before I close out the show. The central bank gold buying spree shows no sign of letting up. In fact, it ramped up again in August after ebbing a little bit in July. This according to the latest data released by the World Gold Council. After a relatively modest net increase of 13.9 tons in July, central banks globally took in a net 57.3 tons of gold in August. Gold purchases of a ton or greater amounted to 62.1 tons. Growth Sales came in at 4.8 tons. The WGC uses IMF data to track central bank gold buying. Four banks accounted for the bulk of the increase, and I bet you can name three of them right along with me Russia, China, Turkey. The usual suspects trying to minimize their exposure to the dollar and thus America's ability to use the greenback as a foreign policy weapon. And then there was Qatar, or Qatar, however you want to say that, and uh, that country added a little over three tons of gold. Also, ETF gold holdings reached an all-time high in September. Globally, gold-backed ETFs added 75.2 tons of metal to their holdings last month. This is also from World Gold Council data. That brought total gold holdings with uh, an ETFs to 2,808 tons that eclipses the previous record that was set back in 2012 when the price of gold was near $1,700 an ounce. Global ETF gold holdings have grown by 368 tons on the year. That's a 13.4% increase. Now, inflows of gold into ETFs are significant in their effect on the world gold market. I've given this little spiel before but it's worth repeating. There are good reasons to invest in ETFs, but these are not a substitute for owning physical metal. In an overall investment strategy, Shift Gold recommends buying gold bullion first. Now, if you want more information on this to better understand how the whole ETF thing relates to physical gold, talk to a Shift Gold precious metal specialist today. You just got to call 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. Remember, there might just be a trade deal. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest Precious Metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. Links for all of this stuff on the show notes page. Again, as always, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. I hope you have a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week.